everyone, and welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And today's episode has been a long time coming. We actually promised this episode in a scream from Parkington Lane way back in episode 35. That's three seasons ago. Yeah, so this was long overdue, but... We're doing it. We're talking about the movie Red Notice today, of course, in relation to National Treasure. But before we get into all of that, you know how we start every episode here on National Treasure Hunt. We start with those screams from Parkington Lane. Maybe we'll be making some more promises to you as well. But for the uninitiated, our screams from Parkington Lane are quite simply our semi-regular acknowledgement of how national treasure has seeped into every nook and cranny of our daily lives, even outside of our recording of this podcast or our work on our various other national treasure-related endeavors. Basically, we're out in the world, we're living our best lives, and national treasure is coming crashing in and sending us down deep into the depths of the pit beneath Parkinson Lane, and we are screaming from those depths today. Emily, what is your scream? Um, so I actually surprisingly have a few to choose from. Um, I'm really, I'm really proud of myself. I am falling, I'm falling at a slower rate, but I am falling. Um, and so I think that the screen that I'm going to pick actually happened to me, uh, this evening. Um, I was driving home from, from work. Um, and you know, I was on 76, which for people who don't live in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, it's there's a lot of traffic there. The it was it was raining. There's a lot of traffic, so cars were moving very slowly. So I like to do this thing where I look at people's bumper stickers and whatnot to figure out what kind of people they are. Um, but there was this truck, and it wasn't actually a bumper sticker. It was like on his back window. I'm assuming it was a he. It was on the truck's back window, and it it kind of looked like uh it kind of looked like a ladder. Uh, the, the little design, but it had some like letters interspersed in there. And immediately now, all the time, I'm looking for Freemason symbols because it's <laughs> so much more common than like I ever realized. So I saw this and was like, this dude has a like freaky looking Freemason thing on the back of his car. And then I kind of remember that the Freemason symbol doesn't really like plateau at the top. It it like crosses slash like Points. comes to a point. Um, It's still possible to me that it could have been a Freemason symbol, mm. but uh, it was hard to tell because of the rain. I think it was just uh, a ladder. But then again, why would someone have a sticker of a ladder on their window of their car. So if I'm translating this scream, Emily, you are seeing Freemason symbols everywhere you are. Basically, I'm, I'm sorry to report, turning into Benjamin Franklin Gates. Yeah, it's a little concerning. Yeah, you, you've, you've gone full Riley to Ben. So um, full full evolution of character here. Okay, enough about me. What's your well, scream? My scream ironically also happens to be from today, which we've never had this before, I don't think. Um, and I'm abandoning a full list of other prepared screams. We know. We know you have a ton. <laughs> okay. So my scream today is 
you know, for those of you who are unaware, we record this podcast at night, often to Emily's dismay. And so we have had a whole day ahead of ourselves. This morning I woke up and for some reason, I think I just had a really long to-do list. I've been very stressed out with work and all morning from 9 a.m. to at least lunchtime, I have had playing in my head the heist, part of the heist sequence from the soundtrack of National Treasure. So, like, imagine when Riley is, like, in the metro station and he's, like, hacking into the video feed of the National Archives. Like, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. No, not that one. Not that one. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
Yeah, and after my summary, you might think I haven't seen it either. So Red Notice uh, was released on Netflix. That's where you can watch it in 2021. Uh, it is rated PG-13 for those of you who are keeping track of that kind of stuff. The uh, main cast includes Ryan Reynolds, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Gal Gadot. Uh, there are other people, but they're really not not there. We'll get we'll get there in a moment. Um, so, movie starts out art heist. There's this egg. Uh, there's some legend of Cleopatra's uh, having three of these really ornate eggs. Um, made of gold. Made made of gold, ornate. Yeah, I was covering it. Um, <laughs> ornate is not synonymous with gold. I couldn't remember. Um, and apparently people, everybody knows where two of them are. The third one has, has not been found. Um, and we kind of jump into the film, uh, and Ryan Reynolds, who, uh, plays the character something Booth, we're just gonna call him Booth. Nolan Booth. Nolan Booth, that's a weird name. Um, he is, he's our thief. He is immediately trying to steal... Uh, one of the three eggs, obviously one of the two that the location is known for, uh, from this nice art museum. He is met with some resistance from uh, our good old friend FBI agent Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who plays Agent Hartley. Also don't know his first name. And they have this back and forth it's real weird they they eventually find out or they they discuss so that the audience knows there's another player that's involved in all of this uh she is named or they are named the bishop it is unclear whether it is a woman or a man but if you've seen any previews for the movie you know gal gadot is also a main character so you know it's going to be her um (laughs) she apparently is in this too there's this whole thing booth and Hartley end up uh being put in some like foreign jail, a Siberian um, prison. Yeah, and uh, they're they're sharing a a room, which is just makes her some great comedy, which a, we'll talk about. A jail cell, jail cell, a room, jail cell. Um, and uh, uh, they decide that they are gonna team up with one another purely so they can prevent the bishop from stealing uh the 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 eggs um and so basically it's weird um then all of a sudden gal Godot pops up like halfway through the movie at this point and starts chatting with the like prison guard ends up or the head of the prison ends up getting them released or getting a uh, hartley and booth released from the prison no that's just what happens no it's not it is not. She offers them. She's like, basically, we work together, and I give oh, you yeah. a small percentage. They decline, so they have to escape the prison themselves. Oh, right. Yeah, they escape. That was, yeah, it was an action scene. I wasn't super paying attention. Other stuff happens. They end up looking for the second, the second egg now. They go to this stupid party. <laughs> uh, it's this masquerade ball thing, which... You know, it's got to have a masquerade component to everything because you can't see people's faces. Um, and they are trying to steal this this second egg or prevent, honestly, uh, the the bishop from or Gal Gadot 
from stealing this uh this second egg um they use some they, they use some cool tricks they they get it, it it's going great and then it's not going so great anymore because gal Gadot finds them uh and is then like you're gonna take me to the third egg because i have a recording of you ryan reynolds aka nolan booth saying that you know where the location of the third egg is so she so he tells her it's somewhere after being tortured a bit there's the whole like fake dying thing that happens with some other random character that we don't really need to talk about um and then uh it, you find out surprisingly that a booth was was lying uh and he and uh agent hartley go to where the third egg actually is emily you have to give them more detail than that because we're going to go into you know more analysis and they need to know where it's coming from so okay when they go to the actual location of the third egg it's like in south america there's a treasure hunt component yes uh but it is kind of in this old bunker with world war ii and hitler associations it's down in in this old like mine shaft basically and so then the additional conflict here it's not just between booth and hartley versus the bishop the whole time interpol is also after them and so once they're down in this tunnel cavern thing suddenly we have to team up with the bishop to escape interpol and they do they they escape and then something happens that i think you liked very much i did then we find out that um agent hartley agent in quotes hartley and uh the bishop gal gadot have been banging the whole time um and have been literally like have just been pulling booth along like so they can find the egg they've literally been working together to get all three of these eggs it's a long Uh, con it's a long con they're in love i was excited because love um it was a great twist it really was was. i did not see it coming uh personally uh but it yeah i i thought it was very very good twist um and then you know they they leave um the the couple leaves booth tied to a tree uh you get sad because you think that's how it's gonna end and then um it doesn't end that way they they end up all all together again and they seem as though they're gonna go on another adventure and we'll get to that i am assuming by the end of this episode we will so you were able to follow any of that. <laughs> Maybe Great. they should just go read Wikipedia. If, yeah, if not, go read the synopsis of the film. Um, but let's talk about these characters a little bit, Aubrey. Okay, so uh, Ryan Reynolds. I kept referring to him as Ryan Reynolds in my notes because I did not remember his name and I watched a lot of Bones back in the day. So calling him Booth really confused me. Um and we know from when I was moving these notes around earlier that calling him Booth really confused you because you thought we were talking about John Wilkes Booth, who was not in this film at all. That's a scream, right? Like, <laughs> you get two screams from me today. Yeah, so some main, main early, early noticings that I had of Booth. Booth does not care what he destroys to get what he wants. Okay, 
he is when he's looking for that first egg in the museum he and is running away from the FBI and Interpol and all of those people he's literally he's climbing on scaffolding he's like pulling things down around him he's throwing things it, it is not it's not a good look it's very uh very Ian Ian destructive vibes uh which I did not appreciate something else that I noticed um that is mentioned fairly early on is that uh, Booth's mom is actually an Egyptologist, which hmm. is how he has a little bit of context for being able to find uh, eggs two and three. Yeah, I, I like that. It gives me slight Professor Helen Mirren vibes, you know? 100%. Like, so I the idea of the family providing some background info i feel like it's fairly consistent between red notice and national treasure one of the uh, differences between our key characters though i think you said it all when you said that booth doesn't care what he destroyed you know he is treasure hunter he is art thief he has no noble or like treasure protector motivation so there's automatically it's kind of hard to make a comparison here to someone like a ben gates um Part of that is also, I think, Booth, I think someone in the movie, one of the characters described Booth as stealing for the thrill of it. It, um, it was The Rock. Okay, so he, The Rock notices that that part of the reason why Booth does this is just to prove he can. Like, he's good at it and he wants to be the best at stealing these things. In a weird way, it also gets tied back to, like, to prove he's worthy of his father's love because he has a very had a very strained relationship with his father so which you know strained relationship with father i mean it's a very common movie trope i guess however it's worth pointing out that national treasure also has that tension in the beginning so there is a family element in red notice just like there is a national treasure i would argue the family element in red notice is actually quite strong like it's not an afterthought it's a huge motivator um just like in national treasure but at the same time could you imagine if ben was like i've got to find the templar treasure so my dad will love me again like (laughs) if anything it was like i have to find the templar treasure and my dad's gonna hate me yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i mean to be fair given that i think booth's dad was a a cop right yeah so i don't think this was gonna help no not really um that being said, we learn a lot later in Red Notice that Booth actually has a lineage that's a little Gatesian, a little more than you think up until the end of the movie. Uh, in addition to being a, a a cop, he was also a treasure hunter looking for Hitler's lost bunker. This is why it was very important that we mention Hitler and the bunker in the summary. It will uh, come as no surprise to you that I completely forgot about the the hitler it's like huge part of this okay we'll get to that we'll get to that we're on the characters i thought it was ironic because we get a very gatesian we even get like an edge of history dynamic here where booth as a character is like yeah i wanted nothing to do with this stupid his stupid treasure hunt like and then he gets kind of sucked into it here booth was ultimately a treasure skeptic because he didn't get along with his dad it's kind of like 
it it's closer to edge of history it's closer to the gates family prequel books oh yeah whereas national treasure the movies kind of flip it around it's the dad that's skeptical and the son that's not Mm -hmm. but you know ultimately the dynamic is really all the same it's just who who's feeling what <laughs> yeah i think what we're starting to learn is that in a heist slash treasure hunt related movies families are <laughs> seem to be very important they're important and there seems to be some consistent dynamics here like this need family must be a source of tension when it comes to treasure hunting yeah so let's let's move on to uh the rock okay who played uh agent something hartley i honestly just just kept referring to him as the rock um helpful yeah so in, in the i what's funny here one of the first things i noticed is before the big twist right about his, the rock working with gal gadot the whole time the fbi agent hartley is portrayed as the good guy maybe because national treasure is so ingrained in me this felt like such a foreign concept like the the idea of FBI being the good guy. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely, one of my notes was, oh, hey, the good guy works for the FBI, which, like, when we think about it, is how it should be. I, uh, <laughs> right. It, it just in, in, like, in, if we're just, if we're thinking just in terms of, like, normal things, you would like to believe that the good guys work for the FBI. <laughs> yeah i didn't know if i don't know if national treasure has ruined me to think that the treasure hunter is the good guy and the pursuer even if that's law enforcement is the bad guy is that normal or is the f like am i crazy what's going on here no no i think we're so wrapped up in in national treasure that i think it's a common thing but like when i think about for example when i was talking about bones earlier if i think about watching bones like the main male character, Agent Booth, worked for the FBI and he was the good guy. Mm. And granted, they were dealing with, like, murderers and stuff like that, which, you know, are definitely the bad guys. And, you know, Ben didn't murder anyone in the National Treasure franchise. But, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I think we, because we're thinking National Treasure all the time, it, it definitely, it was jarring to me as well. Okay, that's really funny that we both felt that. It's even funnier now that we know that in the end, the guy who was portraying FBI also was a bad guy. Like, it's just further emphasizing this point for me. Maybe it's another heist movie thing. Maybe the law enforcement is also always bad. I don't know. Maybe. I don't. <laughs> um. So something that I found interesting right away about the the Rock, which I guess should have kind of tipped me off to maybe him being not an FBI agent was that he knew a lot about the treasures. So I'm thinking specifically about the first egg um, when they were uh, when he and Booth and the Interpol lady, they were in the museum looking at, at the egg. Um, the rock just saw it and knew that it was fake. Um, because spoiler alert um booth had replaced it and and taken the real one and so he one he knew the egg was covered in gold uh and like a certain kind of gold from a certain place so like he he had a lot of history information 
that seemed like very Ben Gates to me. Um, and he was also very confident in this because in the following scene, he took a can of Coke and poured it on top of the egg to demonstrate that it was not covered in real gold. Um, and I feel like although Ben's not usually as like ostentatious about his his confidence in that sense, he like I don't think he would have torn the fake Declaration of Independence or anything. <laughs> but um, it just it gave me some vent. Ben vibes, which once again was confusing because this dude worked for the FBI. Mm -hmm. Something else that I found was weird, but also kind of rolls in with this FBI construct, is that uh, the Rock had a gun. Um, there are is there's literally a scene, many scenes really, but like the one I'm thinking of right in the beginning of the film when uh, Booth is trying to steal the first egg, he's uh, the Rock is holding a gun on booth and is basically like you gotta drop this which we're not unfamiliar with fbi agents doing um even if sometimes those scenes get cut out um of movies such as national (laughs) treasure 2 book of secrets called out (laughs) so something that i remembered from our conversation with john turtletop that he pointed out was that um, something that was really important to him was that Ben Gates in the National Treasure franchise never used a gun, right? He was a good guy and he didn't have a gun. And so he had to outwit people in a different way. Um, So the fact that in this film, we were seeing The Rock, a.k.a. FBI agent Hartley, a.k.a. who we're supposed to think is the good guy, having a gun was just it was all it all led to this kind of very jarring nature of the fbi component of this whole thing all right all right i i feel that i love i love how our conversation with john informed your perception oh yeah totally (laughs) uh so last but not least my favorite part of the movie uh gal gadot um gal gadot is a thief she plays the bishop um Honestly, we don't spend a lot of time with her until like halfway through the movie. Uh, left me kind of wondering, like, when, when she when she gonna pop up? I'm waiting, um, and that's kind of annoying. But it also has the unfortunate side effect of not really allowing us to flesh out her character super well. The focus of the movie was definitely the relationship between. Uh, Ryan Reynolds or Booth and Agent Hartley or uh, The Rock and Gal Gadot was definitely in it for uh, additional name recognition and obviously she played a big role in kind of like the final culmination of everything and being kind of an antagonist at times but um, I just feel like this is another example of kind of a treasure hunt type movie where we're not getting a lot from the female characters by no fault of their own by the fault of the the writers i think that's interesting it's definitely true that being said she is portrayed as the smartest one and the one that's the best at this you know high stakes world of of art thievery Um, very true very true so there is that one point that you said that i do want to like hop on really quick the fact that it's really about the dynamic between Hartley and Booth. I thought that was amazing. I loved their dynamic. I was super entertained by it. 
and really felt like if National Treasure could take something from Red Notice in a positive sense, I would love to see the dynamic between Ben and Riley play out a little bit more. Mm. You know, I mean, not that it would be the same as Booth and Hartley, which is comedic to say the least. Um, I just, I don't know. I liked seeing that, that interplay personally. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, so as I, as I mentioned in my summary, there are other characters, um, in this movie. Everyone else is inconsequential. Um, this is basically a movie that was designed for these three actors. Yeah, I agree. I Um, completely concur. So I guess we should move away from the characters then. Yeah, let's move away from the characters and move on to the similarities between uh, the National Treasure franchise and Red Notice. Um, This one I have kind of structured in somewhat of an order of the way that the movie went down, uh, that Red Notice went down, um, so we can kind of keep track of things. But uh, I think both Aubrey and I had some some similar um, similarities. (laughs) Yeah, some similar noticing of similarities. Okay, well, the first one that came to mind for me, right at the front, right at the top of Red Notice, we are using a legend, the legend of Cleopatra's eggs, to motivate a treasure hunt. And literally, that legend is being told at the opening of the movie. This is super national treasure. It made me wonder if this was a real legend. Spoiler alert, it is not. I googled it. Um, But... I don't know. Maybe that means that National Treasure was doing something right and other filmmakers noticed it because we see the same construction here. Mm, very true. I, I did also, I took note of that in the very beginning when they started talking about the legend. Um, to be honest, my first note <laughs> okay. of the entire film was, uh, a car chase. Oh my God, of course. Um, there were a lot of car, helicopter, there were a lot of chases that happened in this movie more than in national treasure um but there there were a lot of car chases which i am now just starting to learn apparently they are a hallmark of treasure hunting treasure hunting films you're just learning that i am just learning it because i didn't want to believe it before i saw a similarity in that when uh you know, it was brought to everyone's attention that uh, Booth was thinking of stealing this this first egg or was going to steal it. No, nobody that was at the museum was concerned. Um, they they did not really believe it was possible that it could be stolen. That was very reminiscent of Riley and Ben going around to all the different agencies uh, in D.C. to tell people that the declaration of independence was going to be stolen and nobody believing them. Um, also, there was, as I mentioned earlier, a fake egg that was put in the museum once Booth obtained the real first egg. So we have this idea of this replica item. Uh, this has some kind of Indiana Jones things in that, like, when Indiana Jones initially removed one of the treasure items he he set a weight in its place it wasn't an exact replica but it was supposed to replicate the weight and then it also reminded me of national treasure when ben has to take the additional copy of the or fake copy of the declaration of independence to have a replica which then became 
very important throughout some of the chase scenes in in the film. Hmm. Okay. That's uh. I hadn't. I had not picked up on those. Well done. Well done. Thank you. There was also a moment when um Booth and Hartley were. I I looked down for a second and looked back up and they were hanging from a roof. Um, <laughs> yeah. When they were trying to escape the museum. This is when they were not on the same team yet. Yes, yes. They were both against each other, but they were trying to, uh, they were wrestling kind of over this this bag, which gave me very much um, vibes of Abigail and Ben uh, wrestling over the Declaration of Independence, or the tube containing the Declaration of Independence um, in, in National Treasure. I like that a lot. Thank you. I like that a lot. Okay, so one of the things that I noticed um, when, I guess, Hartley is still pursuing Booth, they're still on opposite teams, Hartley catches up to Booth, it's kind of a surprise, like, you know, how did Booth know where to find him? Whatever. They have this interaction where Booth says, and I quote, it doesn't matter what you do, it only matters what they think you've done end quote and this is surrounding a conversation of like booth's motivations and how he wants to be the best and be perceived as the best um i felt like this quote really felt pretty national treasure-esque but in a way it was kind of the opposite of a ben gates mentality because it feels more mitch right it feels like a mitch wilkinson mentality where he wants credit for finding the treasure he wants his family's name to go down in history he wants them the world future generations to think back on what the Wilkinson family accomplished. It feels less Ben in that way, but as I'm saying this, I'm also realizing Ben would agree with this at least a little bit about the Samuel Mudd point, right? Mm. And it does matter in Ben's in Ben's opinion what people think you've done. It does matter if people think Thomas Gates was an assassin or a conspirator. Right. So in a way, it is kind of Ben-ish as well. So that makes it even more national treasure relevant, I guess. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> um. So, okay. That was a big um, point for me. Of course, you mentioned how ultimately um, both men are about to land in prison. They are sharing a, a jail cell. They have a, a really deeply um, sentimental, emotional chat as they're in their bunk beds at night. It gave me a very Ben and Abigail and Urban Outfitter vibes from National Treasure 1. You know what I mean? Like you just met this person and now we're deep diving into our personal family histories. I love that. I I wish I had watched this, I feel like, with you. Because as I was watching this scene, I was just like, oh my gosh, why are they having this conversation? This is so fake and so dumb. And But when you're comparing it to the Ben and Abigail conversation, I'm just like, oh yeah, like that is very... It's very similar. I think something that helped me with the Ben and Abigail was that there was a clear romantic tension. <laughs> sure. Uh, there and it also just felt a little more sincere I think because both Ben and Abigail themselves were just a little more earnest and sincere characters than totally 
these two guys in red notice. Booth specifically, you never know when he's joking. And that's part of his like character trait. It's part of his allure in a way. I know what it's like to live with someone like that. Not me, is it? Live with. You lived with me for three years. Oh, no, no. I never know when Josh is joking. Oh, that's that seems like a tough situation to live in, but who am I to judge? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So um, that being said, you know, eventually, like we said, they, they get out of the prison and then there's a heist. Oh, my gosh. It's a heist. I got so excited. <laughs> the whole heist. OK, so, of course, for heist, I guess you can kind of consider the breaking out of prison to be somewhat of a heist as well. Nah, nah. But we're talking about this party. It's thrown by um, basically a billionaire arms dealer i feel like booth's description of what the party was going to look like and how the heist was going to go down looked a lot like ben's explanation of the preservation room and how his heist in the national archives would go down um obviously the masquerade party itself in red notice gives extreme national treasure gala vibes mm-hmm. um though i would say that the masquerade party does feel higher stakes it really does because you get the impression that everyone there is a bad guy because they're Mm -hmm. at this like arms dealers party you know (laughs) probably a fair or something yeah so it feels a lot scarier i guess Mm -hmm. um so to get to the egg that is in the possession of this billionaire they basically hartley and booth have to find their way into this very well protected vault essentially and doing so means bypassing all these security people who are constantly rotating around with huge machine guns and it means getting into rooms that are locked with very secure tech gadgets like facial recognition voice recognition um, a password that shows up only on the billionaire's phone and it changes every like minute so um there were a couple of things, like different tricks that are guest protagonists, even though they're both not great people. Um, <laughs> they're still protagonists. The different tricks they had to use that felt a little national treasury. So one of those, of course, is using the billionaire's fingerprint on a glass, like a, a a cup yeah i noticed that too and they, they even use the finger condom yes they do um the I, I gotta know do you think that the fingerprint on the glass trick was like an intentional homage to national treasure or a total coincidence honestly there were and i'll get to this a little later there were a lot of pop culture references in this so i feel like an honest it could have been an intentional homage to the film i personally feel that way as well um we haven't watched all the heist movies in the world but i'm imagining this isn't like that conserved that you would just expect it to pop up in every movie you know so uh so that was fun other things that gave me national treasure vibes in the masquerade party there was a distraction scene um (laughs) booth like rams into hartley it pretty like ostentatiously and this kind of felt like the whole haggis moment on the staircase, that whole distraction of National Treasure 2. Loved, loved it. <laughs> um, also, to get, like, on, I guess, en route to the vault area where the egg was stored, 
there's a secret bookcase. Yes, I noted the trick bookcase that was there. And like, okay, so for folks who are less familiar with Edge of History than the National Treasure movies, a huge component of National Treasure Edge of History is Agent Sadusky's secret clue room hidden behind a trick bookcase. Gotta love a good trick bookcase. Seriously. So so that was uh, all at the Billionaire's Mansion. Um, Emily very lightly alluded to in the summary <laughs> the fact that there's also sort of a torture scene once they leave or are kind of dragged to or out dragged out of the gala into this other location not gala dragged out of the party into this other location the billionaire is basically torturing um agent Hartley, yeah, I can't keep these characters straight. The Rock, Agent, it's fine. Okay, there he's he's torturing the Rock to try to get the location of the third egg out of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> there we go. And um, this was I wonder if you picked up on this. Um, basically, um, Ryan Reynolds gives a fake clue, telling Gal Gadot to go to Egypt. Yep. This reminded me of the fake clue at the bottom of Parkington Lane when, when Patrick and Ben are convincing Ian to go off to Old North Church. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, we watch National Treasure and stuff so much, but as soon as Ryan Reynolds said that, I was like, that's not where the egg really is. <laughs> Obviously fake. Seriously. Um, okay, so let's skip ahead. Our protagonists are going to South America. They're going to the bunker. Um there's a portion where there's this uh, watch, a like a like a pocket watch, I guess. Was it a pocket watch or a watch watch? Whatever. It it's a, a watch. watch. Um, it belonged to Ryan, Ryan Reynolds', Reynolds. father, um, and you have to take the face of the watch and like plug it into the wall, just like the Charlotte meerschaum pipe in the I wall. I noticed that too. Yeah. Oh my God. You're getting so good at this, Emily. There was also, did you notice there, there was like another entrance slash exit component to the treasure room. Cause they were talking, there was that car down there uh-huh. and they were talking about like how they could have gotten the car in there. And I was like, it's because there's another way in. Yes. Yes. You were totally right. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Of course it is after the whole bunker scene that we get the reveal that uh, The Rock was playing Ryan Reynolds the whole time. And I found really funny. I don't know if you thought about this at all. Basically, The Rock's motivation um, that he was giving to Ryan Reynolds for working with him throughout the whole movie was, I've got to clear my name. Everyone thinks I'm in on this. I have to clear my name to get in back good with my FBI employer, right? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that motivation of The Rock was fake the whole time. Mm. And The Rock specifically said, oh, I thought you, Booth, Ryan Reynolds, I thought you would have seen through that motivation. And I thought I was like, wow, you're kind of poking fun at the whole clearing my name motivation, which is a huge motivation for Ben clearing the name of his ancestors in National Treasure too. Did you did you think about that at all? I didn't think about that at all, actually. But I do see what you mean now. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, of course, we there's a scene near the end. It has to do with the three eggs coming together. There's a celebrity musical guest. So, like, Randy Travis, National Treasure 2, Ed Sheeran, Red Notice. That was hilarious. I, I love that part. 
Um, and then the, the last thing I have for similarities was a note that I had made in my phone while watching the movie. I have zero idea what this is in reference to, but I wanted to put it out there in case anybody chooses to watch Red Notice or has watched Red Notice and wants to see if they can figure out how this relates <laughs> to uh, National Treasure. Uh, my note verbatim is written, fake leaf like National Treasure. Who knows? Anyway, let's move on to the differences. Differences between Red Notice and the National Treasure franchise. This one will go a little faster because we're not going to be pulling in uh, quite as much. But uh, just to, you know, kind of start us off, like I said, there are a lot of pop culture references in Red Notice. Now, this is something that I think we've seen more of in Edge of History. Um, than we did in the National Treasure films themselves. So um, that being said, a lot of these were uh, references to kind of other treasure hunt movies. We already pointed one out, uh, one potential one earlier with the finger condom glass trick. Um, At one point, Ryan Reynolds' character was whistling the Indiana Jones theme song, which I thought was very funny. Um, And then I don't think they did this on purpose but i like to pretend that they did um all of these characters have played superheroes um actually they've all played superheroes in uh the dc franchise and then ryan reynolds has also played a superhero in the marvel franchise um kosher yeah, sometimes people do it. Also, Green Lantern is what Ryan Reynolds played. That's how he met his wife, actually. Oh. But uh, Green Lantern in the DC did not go over well, so we just pretend that it didn't. Yeah, I, I've i never seen any superhero movies, as you know, Emily, but Green Lantern is objectively my least favorite based on having never seen any of the movies because the Green Lantern ride at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey is the absolute worst ride I've ever been on in my entire life. <laughs> well, the movie followed suit, apparently. Um, anyway, as as there were a lot of action scenes kind of towards the end of the film, uh, it, it, they involved The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. The Rock just recently played Black Adam, a DC anti-hero. Gal Gadot has played Wonder Woman, and uh, like I said, Ryan Reynolds played the Green Lantern, and he also is currently playing Deadpool uh, in the Marvel Universe. So in order to get me to enjoy the action scenes more, Josh kept telling me to pretend that all of the characters were their superhero counterparts. So, so like I said, I don't know that this was necessarily intentional, <laughs> but it kind of feels ironic that they were all superheroes relatively recently, and now they're doing action scenes together. Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but it kind of felt like they were breaking the fourth wall at some point during the film. There was one specific point where Ryan Reynolds' character um, mentioned something about being in a scene with a lot of paid extras. I did not. And... It was like just kind of a throwaway thing, but it definitely gave me Deadpool vibes where Ryan Reynolds character 
is frequently known for breaking the fourth wall. I say this because I've never actually seen Deadpool, but that's what I hear. Um, <laughs> okay. But, so I thought that that was that was an interesting other kind of pop culture reference. Okay, so unsurprisingly, the differences that I noticed are super freaking different than the ones you noticed. And I think different it's... Different differences. Different differences. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's really in line with our two different expertises for this podcast. Of course, you found all the pop culture relevant <laughs> differences. I'm going to go more like deep divey things I'm assuming you didn't notice, Emily. Number one. The early foot chase sequence to, like, escape the museum. We have, again, um, Agent Hartley, so the rock chasing Ryan Reynolds' booth. Um, They're escaping the museum. It reminds me specifically of Jungle Cruise for some reason. Remember our episode about Jungle Cruise and National Treasure? Oh, yeah, when uh, Emily Blunt's, like, running, like, on the like to get to the boat and stuff yes she's like running away and trying to get to the boat and it's like very it's very chaotic i feel like she's like hanging from things and we Mm -hmm. saw ryan reynolds hanging from things and like that gave me very jungle cruise vibes maybe a little pop culture-y um overall i feel like i really loved the comedic element of red Mm -hmm. notice and it it works for red notice in a way that i don't think it would ever work for national treasure specifically because Red Notice does not have, like, the serious historical backing. Mm, Yeah, so they didn't really have to worry about making... The writers didn't really have to worry about making a lot of time to uh, explain more complex plot details. Right, and because the characters had no real nobility to them in Red Notice. There's no reverence for history. So reverence for history, I feel like, really gives you that serious vibe as compared, and that's what you get in National Treasure. Red Notice has none of that, so you get the comedic element. So while I liked it a lot in Red Notice, I would never advocate to our National Treasure friends to to make that the vibe of, of our beloved franchise. Um, another key difference that I, I felt was that Red Notice really goes from a movie about heists and thievery into a treasure hunt movie specifically once they transition from uh, they were all over the place in this movie specifically once they transition to argentina to south america for the bunker scenes um national treasure has heists of course but it's always a treasure hunt movie as opposed to switching from like a heist movie to a treasure hunt movie does that make sense yeah, and I'll say I agree. One of my biggest complaints about the film was that it did not feel like a treasure hunt movie to me. Mm. Even when they jumped to the treasure hunt, it felt like kind of an afterthought. Okay. I feel that. I feel that completely. I think that's a really fair critique. Um, and the last thing that I noticed is another thing that I actually did enjoy about Red Notice. It's how you don't see the planning steps of the heist but you do see flashback explanations of how each step in the heist was accomplished as the heist is happening. This is a very, very different vibe from National Treasure. I think this goes to our conversations about the construction of the films. Of course, we know that National Treasure goes out of its way to show, at least in the first movie, complex planning sequences that will then help explain how the heist works later. 
that's a very different vibe from Red Notice, where you get these flashback explanations. Yeah, I would even say this is kind of like uh, giving Ocean's Eleven mm. vibes. Ocean's Eight, if we're actually referring to one of them that we've talked about on the podcast, um, just in that, I think is typically how at least newer mm-hmm. kind of heist-like films will position the heist um, planning components. It made me wonder about whether a third national treasure would take that more modern track. And that got me thinking, you know, would national treasures heists feel more or less impressive if it was depicted in this way? Do we prefer having sort of the big thorough explanation early on, even if we don't understand the implications of the explanation quite yet, so that once the heist happens, we understand everything more deeply or would we feel more impressed if it was kind of like, I feel like the way that Red Notice and these modern movies does it, it's supposed to be more of a reveal, like a mic drop, or like maybe more Definitely. shocking. But I feel like National Treasure isn't supposed to be shocking. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's supposed to be like, well, yeah, because you're supposed to be Riley. You're supposed to be along for and it's the suppo- ride of what's happening. And there is no character that's kind of, bringing you along that's a good point. for the ride in red notice that's a good point so if you're riley you are involved in planning the heist and you're seeing how it's happening and and seeing it all come together if you're in red notice you are just watching as the as the as the viewer that has no additional information you are not in the moment you are completely an observer i like that a lot actually that comparison yeah Okay, well, I think that covers the differences. Um, okay. Now we're now we're going to talk a little bit about just some uh, big questions, some dynamics with the characters. We've touched on some of this, so we'll keep it relatively brief because we know we've already taken up a good amount of your time with our uh, insane rambling, or my insane rambling. So, are these all questions that I've written? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Should I, should I present them and we can decide which ones we want to discuss, if any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, li- I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. We read the question and then we'll be like, eh, we'll leave okay. it be. Or we'll be like, yeah, let, let's answer it. And then any that we don't talk about in the episode, if any of our listeners want to hear thoughts on them, they can find us on social media and ask. Okay, great. My first question has everything to do with the structure. We've touched on this a little bit. The protagonist good guy being Hartley and the protagonist bad guy being Booth versus the antagonist bad guy being Bishop. Is that the structure that we're going with? Of course, up until the big uh, twist, right? Is that even the right interpretation? I feel like it's hard to tell. And I think maybe that's the point. It's the point to have you questioning everyone's motives. Like, is everyone just a bad guy? Okay, so I will say this was my favorite of them, so I did definitely want to discuss this. Okay. Um, I love this take. I, it as so often happens, was unable to really identify why I was not a huge, like, hugely buying into Red Notice. Okay. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that I was not sure who I was rooting for Mm. and I wasn't sure that I felt a connection 
with any character well enough to root for them. And kind of like you were saying, was this intentional? So, you know, Booth was very quick to share the story about his father and why he is motivated to, you know, hunt these treasures, steal these things. Um, And then Hartley was also fairly quick to uh, give that information, right, as we talked about a little earlier in the episode. And although Booth's wasn't, like, false, necessarily, we, we do learn that Hartley's story was completely made up. And to be honest, both of them felt somewhat hollow to me. Hmm. The, their stories of the, you know, how they were, like, why they were doing what they were doing. So there was no real buy-in for me to them as characters and, like, mo- motivating why they were doing these things. I almost feel like it would have been better for me if they hadn't tried to explain huh. why Ryan Reynolds <laughs> was trying to steal these things and rather just have him be that... I felt more connection with the actors themselves than I did with the characters. And so there was definitely what you're bringing up here, this this aspect of this just confusion about who I was supposed to be rooting for and why I was supposed to be rooting for them. And in National Treasure, you just, you kind of just know. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from our discussion of of ethics and the motivations of our characters in National Treasure being very crystal clear. And it's it's hard to mistake who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. One of the things about Red Notice is all of the characters are extremely unlikable. Um, I True. think. I, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. Let's be honest; he is absolutely hilarious. Oh, but yes. like, his character is very unlikable beyond that point he he does that well he really does (laughs) but what i wanted to get at here is we've talked about these three characters even the characters we haven't gone into in any detail are also all very unlikable true think about the interpol lady very unlikable super antagonistic um super like um, chip on her shoulder. It's it's not a not a pleasant character. Of course, the billionaire arms dealer. He's the probably the other person with quote unquote the most screen time. Super unlikable. Yeah, you know this is almost uh, reminding me a little bit of the Great Gatsby, um, in the sense that all of those characters were also designed to be fairly unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know the protagonist was supposed to be unlikable and we know or at least we interpret in the case of f f scott fitzgerald with the great gatsby that that was intentional to to make it that way and that that was supposed to be kind of pointing out something about society which is now making me wonder like does that mean that we're supposed to be getting something deeper from Red mm-hmm. notice that this is supposed to be pointing out some kind of societal construct or something, or are we doing just what we're known to do and overthinking this a lot? <laughs> I'm inclined to say almost definitely the latter, but if we can think of a deeper meaning for red notice, we'll get back to everyone on social media. Definitely. Okay, my next ones are more observations, and I would just like your quick reaction. 
maybe okay. like if you thought about this or if you agree or disagree. This whole movie, all of Red Notice, is what you would get if Ben and Ian worked together the whole time in National Treasure. Yes, and I would like to see that movie. National Treasure 3? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. prequel. Or there you go. All universe. All universe. <gasps> We've never even talked about a National Treasure prequel before. We should do that as an episode. What could a National Treasure prequel look like? I'm literally writing that down right now. Okay, next observation. Reaction, please. I feel like the Ben Gates slash Nicolas Cage is as serious and as earnest as Nolan Booth slash Ryan Reynolds is funny. Like, it's their defining characteristic that makes their character work. Yes, although I will argue that, to me, it almost didn't make Ryan Reynolds' character work because all he was was funny. He has really good heist plans, though. He does, but to me, and I hate to say this, and people are going to take it out of context, to me, it is like if you were to make Riley in national treasure one the main main character like he is there to be funny he is there to be the audience stand-in he is not there to be the one that is like doing most of the things so let me ask you this to make let's picture national treasure as if it were red notice in this case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it a little differently than you. Ben Gates is funny. Riley is serious and dry. Would that work? It'd be so different. It, I don't think it would. It'd be such a different movie. Because the, the funniness, I feel like, takes away from the earnestness in a way. You're probably right. Because I feel like in order to be... In order to be earnest, you have to be vulnerable. And in order to be vulnerable, typically you're not trying to be funny. You're trying to be sincere. You're trying to tap Mm. into that deeper part of yourself. So I feel like that would almost remove the thing that makes Ben, Ben. I like it. Okay. I have my next one's a question again. Anyway, keeping on your toes. Is like Hartley and Booth working with the bishop against Interpol in the bunker at the end. Is that a little bit like Ben working with Ian to escape FBI custody in National Treasure? Ooh. It is. And you know, this is making me think that maybe Interpol was supposed to be the equivalent to the FBI and National Treasure the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think we just got caught up in the FBI name. Oh, totally. Totally, totally agree with you. Um, that being said, the Interpol lady was way better at her job, as much as I didn't like her, than Sadusky was at his, I would argue, because she was always just there. She was always right behind them. She always knew exactly where they were. Yeah, true. Okay, next one's an observation. When Hartley starts shooting at Interpol in the bunker, and Booth, like, points it out, like, hey, aren't they on your team? Like, blah, blah. That's when I knew that Hartley wasn't really FBI. I had no idea. So, for listeners, I did text Aubrey 
relatively <laughs> early on in the movie. I, I think it was during the masquerade party. Um, the Rock and Gal Gadot had a, this dancing scene that they were doing together. And I noticed that they had a bit of chemistry. So I texted Aubrey because I was not enjoying the movie and I was looking for something to kind of like get me through. And I asked if The Rock and Gal Gadot were going to kiss in the movie uh, because I'd seen some chemistry there. And I should have figured out from her response that like <laughs> something was kind of fishy because she was like, well, I can't really I can't give away the movie. And I was like, I like, I literally just want to know if they kiss. Like I, and now knowing <laughs> like the twist at the end, I understand why Aubrey was afraid to tell me that they kissed. But also if you had told me that they kissed, I don't think I would have figured it out because I, I did not figure it out until they kissed. And then I was like, what is happening? The twist was quite good. It was very good. All right, my last one here is just me rambling in confusion. Are you ready? Sure. So by the end of the prison escape, I was, there's a moment where like um, (laughs) Ryan Reynolds goes, this is my best friend, you know, to The Rock. And they don't really like, like The Rock hates Ryan Reynolds at this point. And it's just very clear. The feelings there are not mutual. Um, At that point, for some reason, I was convinced that Hartley was Ben. Like the equivalent mm. of Ben for the nobility's sake, and that Booth was Riley for the humor's sake. But then, immediately after that, it became clear that Booth was the one that had all the logistical plans for every like heist or every kind of tricky situation. And so I was so confused. Um, and I, I guess the answer is I don't know why we think we can do this all the time. There's no one-to-one parallel between the characters in this case. I think it's so tempting because not only do we have like two principal protagonists that that are like together from the beginning they're both men like it's just it's begging for a one-to-one comparison and it's just not possible yeah it's just it's it's not working what is this is making me wonder though is do you think that the rock or hartley had more of these logistical plans or the potential for them but wasn't giving them away because of the long con that he was doing because really all he needed ryan reynolds or booth for was the location of the last egg that's a good point i don't think we can answer that question because it was never clear it was never made clear to us in the kind of treasure hunting art thievery. it's not treasure like more art thievery duo that was the bishop and agent hartley it was never really made clear what Hartley's role was in that duo. True. Like we get the impression that Bishop is Bishop at least can devise some pretty intense plans and like figure out how to do this stuff. It's unclear what role Hartley typically plays. So I don't know if he would have had the plans himself if Ryan Reynolds had not been there. Hmm. Interesting. But maybe well, he would have. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you for those those thoughts and questions, Aubrey. Um, I think we're gonna, we're about to start wrapping up here. So um, I think you know what we should what we should really do is let's talk about what we think this means for the national treasure franchise moving forward. So what does the success or lack thereof of this mean moving forward? Okay, well, for starters, 
I feel like Red Notice, as much as I actually did enjoy it, spoiler alert, it was not that memorable. I actually did see it right after it came out. What did you say? In 2021. And I mm-hmm. completely forgot every single thing about it. So I like had to rewatch with full attention again for this episode. So yes. I don't know that that says very good things in general. Do you uh, have any thoughts fair. about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Unfortunately, I feel like that's a, kind of a thing nowadays. I don't, I don't know that movies are made to be particularly memorable, at least like ones that are on streaming services. Mm. That being said, I did wonder almost immediately how like the rating the ratings and the reception of Red Notice compared to the National Treasure movies, as well as compared to the Edge of History series for National Treasure, since obviously Edge of History is more contemporaneous with Red Notice than Red Notice is with the National Treasure movies based on timelines. You know what I mean? So I did do a quick Google, and we know that on IMDb National Treasure, I'm only going to look at the, the first movie primarily because fairly consistent but imdb national treasure movie has a 6.9 out of 10 star rating we know the second movie is a bit lower um we know that edge of history is also a bit lower comparing to red notice which has a 6.3 out of 10 star rating um on imdb so it's it's a little lower than the first national treasure movie but i believe and again, I'm, I'm this I'm spitballing here. I think it's a little higher than National Treasure 2 and Edge of History. On Rotten Tomatoes, this one's pretty interesting, I think. We know that the first National Treasure movie has way better audience scores than the Tomato Meter kind of critic scores. 76% audience score, 46% Tomato Meter score for National Treasure. Again, National Treasure 2, both of those dip a little bit, but we still mm. sort of have the same um, breakdown like ratio kind of if you will Mm -hmm. edge of history it's a little wonky the tomato meter and audience score are nearly equivalent at the time of this recording um, Mm -hmm. but they are both quite low Mm -hmm. the red notice rotten tomatoes get this 36 percent tomato meter so really really bad worse than national treasure the audience score though red notice emily 92% 92% people loved Red Notice. Hmm. We'll talk about in a second why I don't agree with that. But anyway. Um... Okay, well, before we get to that, there's just two more important points here, I think, for the long-term consequences. I will say, we've talked a lot about like what historical time points National Treasure 3 could theoretically use. You know, Revolutionary War in the first movie, Civil War in the second movie. We've said for a while they could go with the World Wars. We have a lot of reason to believe that was never even on the table because of the years in which they occurred. Mm-hmm. But officially, I would say that National Treasure 3 now cannot do World War II because Red Notice did it, and they'll be too close together. So for that, I have to say thank you, Red Notice. Well, well done, Red Notice. Seriously, in a way, I feel like Red Notice shows what a 1900s treasure looks like. And just as I I personally suspected for a while, it is just, for me, not interesting or exciting enough. Okay. So, um, I feel like you mentioned, as I was in the middle of watching Red Notice, (laughs) that there were plans for 
sequels, which confused me. Is, yeah. is that still true? Well, now that I told you the uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for a notice, does this make more sense? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they actually are are currently planning for back to back filming of Red Notice two and three. Wow. The filming is actually expected this year, 2023, though, at, again, as of the time of this recording, it's not yet confirmed. It really makes me feel like Disney should get a National Treasure 3 underway or else franchises like Red Notice could end up kind of taking legends or treasures away from them. Remember a long time ago, there was a theory that National Treasure 3 was going to be about like the Fountain of Youth, but then Pirates of the Caribbean came out and did it, and then they had to start from scratch. I don't know if that was ever true. I suspect it wasn't because the Fountain of Youth is inherently more supernatural. Mm. Um, and we know from John Turtletaub now, it's not just our suspicion. They really did want get, to get away from the supernatural element. Um, but we could see that happening here with Red Notice. They could take away plot elements out of National Treasure contention. Could you imagine if Red Notice 2 or 3 took an element of history that was going to be put into the current National Treasure 3 script and they had to scrap it all over again and they had to start from scratch all over again? Well, given that nothing they're doing is super historical in Red Notice, I'm not too concerned. <laughs> I just, we're so close. We've never been closer to National Treasure 3. I just cannot even entertain the concept of something slowing it down again. Hmm. That would be sad. That being said, I think it's about time that we wrap up this episode. So, Aubrey, I think I have an idea, but what what are your overall thoughts on uh, Red Notice? This might be one of the first compare-contrast episodes we've done where the movie we watched, or I guess the media we watched, I actually quite enjoyed. I was really entertained by the dynamic. I thought the twist was excellent. Um, I'm going to tell myself that some of the equivalencies between Red Notice and National Treasure were intentional homages from Red Notice to National Treasure because that is much more palatable to me. Um, that being said, I, I obviously like National Treasure a lot better, but I would watch this. Like, this was fun. I'll watch the second and third. What about you? I feel like you didn't like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, Aubrey and I have different opinions. Um, I, yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, the twist at the end was good. I, I'm now invested because I think having all three of the characters working together kind of moving forward is going to be... A fun dynamic um i like kind of the way that things ended with um ryan reynolds kind of having a little more power mm -hmm. uh in the dynamic than i guess we were gonna we assumed he would have when we thought the movie was kind of over um i'm interested now that there's like a love story component there but um yeah there was there was a lot of action in this and very little actual like clue solving treasure hunting for me and i uh, notoriously do not like action movies uh which is ironic because i love superhero movies um i actually look for the humanity in the superhero movies and i can also tolerate the action scenes because they are superheroes uh so i think that this just it it didn't do it for me. It it didn't feel like a treasure hunt 
movie, unfortunately. Two very quick but very different thoughts. Number one, have you noticed that whenever we do these compare contrast episodes with other pieces of media, you always end up liking the thing and I'm always the super hesitant one. We've totally flipped here. Oh, yeah. And number two, something we didn't mention is the way the movie actually ends logistically is the three characters show up outside of the Louvre in France to start their next thievery heist thing and you could say of course that that's just the next thing that's happening in their lives and that has nothing to do with the second movie but it's also interesting to think what if that is supposed to launch the second movie i wonder if we're going to get some homages to the da vinci code possibly and you know uh it could also mean that um they're just going to transition right from this movie into uh wonder woman because uh (laughs) Uh, at the beginning of Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's character worked at the worked at the Louvre. Oh man! Oh my God! She's she's getting all of her airline frequent flyer miles to France. <laughs> okay, so those are our thoughts. What did all of you think about Red Notice? What do you think about the discussion we had? Do you have any additional points that you would like to talk about? You can go ahead and find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. Um, we also have a ton more information about everything from our book to our tour on our website at nthuntpodcast.com. Emily, I got to hand it to you. Another fantastic episode. Well done planning for this one. I love when we surprise ourselves and end up with a more robust discussion than we were expecting. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, for everyone listening in, we can't wait for you to join us for our next episode of season six. It's going to be one of those very national treasure hunty episodes, one that I would describe as a very Ursinus College motivated episode. It is going to be an analysis of feminism and intersectionality in National Treasure, Book of Secrets, and Edge of History. I think that is going to be utterly fascinating and hopefully we'll we'll, uh, spark some interesting conversations with all of you online so until then i'm aubrey and i'm emily and thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt (laughs) 